0: Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson in D.C., and today I'm going to be interviewing actress Kirsten Warren. Warren is most known for the films Independence Day, Divine Secrets of the Ya Ya Sisterhood, 13 Going on 30, Astronaut Farmer, and Bicentennial Man. And she's been on so many different television series, including Saved by the Bell, The College Years, Life Goes On, which I used to watch all the time with my mom, and Desperate Housewives. She played the role of Nora in Desperate Housewives, and that earned her a SAG Award nomination for Best Ensemble Cast. Today, we're going to be talking about basically her career, um... And, and what it's been like for her throughout the years as an actor, a working actor in Hollywood. But we're also, you know, we're going to touch on some of the obvious stuff, being a woman in Hollywood, and then a little bit about quarantine. For those of you don't know, who don't know, she is the wife of actor Kirk Acevedo, who has also been on this show. And they are just a really cool couple. They're fun and interesting. And I'm so glad that she agreed to be on the show because we had a really cool talk and I really, really like her. And as she points out early on, you know, when we start talking that um, it's almost like even though we just know each other from Twitter, we almost feel like we're friends. And that's what I really love about social media. I mean, there's a lot of negativity, but there's also a lot of positive. And I know that during this really difficult time where we're kind of stuck at home, one thing that's positive is that we have people to talk to with the internet. And I have the extra added benefit of having a podcast. So I get to actually talk to these people and it's really fun because it's a way to connect. And you know, I I make friends. It's like, not everybody's going to be your friend, but You recognize names and, you know, you see people on Twitter every day and you kind of hang out together. And so um, it's just fantastic that she's going to be on the show. We had a really fun, fun conversation. So even though we did touch on some of the awfulness, awfulness that's going on, we managed to... To have some fun. So I hope that you find it entertaining and at least for a little while you can forget that you're um, having to stay at home and you probably don't have toilet paper. <laughs> but before we get started, of course, Start Me Up is an independent podcast that is supported by listeners. That's you. So if you like the show, um, you can be a monthly subscriber at patreon.com slash start me up. And it's a great way to support independent podcast that's run by a woman. And if you sign up for any tier, you get every show that I do in your mailbox, with the exception, your email box, I should say, with the exception of the $5 tier. And that's just for, that. those shows are going to be mostly solo shows. I shouldn't say going to be, they are mostly show, solo shows. But tomorrow, Steph is here and we're going to do a patrons-only show. So we're going to do one for you guys because I did one on Thursday with... Sarah would, but oh my God, the sound was Bob and I fixed the sound, but the sound was just completely messed up. So next time Sarah's going to be on, it'll be a free show, but Steph's going to do it tomorrow. It's going to be the second patrons only show of the month. So we're going to do that. I know we're going to have fun. We're going to talk about all the crap that's going on (laughs) and hopefully we'll laugh. Um, So don't forget, the $5 tier gets you into um, the patrons only show where I either do solo shows, which is kind of like a Dear Diary, a little bit of me like just going off on whatever I men I used to date, experiences I had when I was younger, and tying it into social relevance with whether it's patriarchy or racism or sexism or whatever. Um, And then, of course, through this quarantine, I think I'll probably be doing more shows with Steph. So we'll just see how that goes. And for now, $5 gets you those solo podcasts from me and uh, maybe a guest host here and there. What else can I say? If you'd like to make a one-time donation, um, just look at the description of the show. You'll see my email ad- address and you can use the PayPal account. Some people like to do that. Hey, I'm all for it. You can become a patron of the show or you can, uh, and for like, you could just become a patron for two bucks and see if you like it. Right. And if, if you do, then you can upgrade to $5 a month or $10 a month or $25 a month, whatever you feel comfortable with, because basically you're kind of like helping me produce the show. So a one-time payment or a monthly payment, whatever, whatever, also, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, I always ask this, and I'm going to do it every month because I'm, I'm going to beg. Please become an Apple Podcast subscriber. It's free and if you could give me a, a, a good rating and a good review that would be awesome I just got two new ratings so yay the last review I got was on March 3rd so I got another one coming right I can feel it I can feel it I know you're gonna do it <laughs> all right I'll stop begging um that's it for now please enjoy my really fun and sweet interview with Kirsten Warren welcome Kirsten Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for being on the show and thank you for just being so awesome. I just, I absolutely love you and Kirk. I think you guys are so super cool. <laughs> oh,
1: thanks. Well, right back at you. Every time I see you on Twitter, it's like, oh, a friend. Yeah. Isn't it funny how quickly yes. you can become like attached? And you really do. There is a real support in that anonymity of cyber relationship, but it, it happens. Yes,
0: it really does. And you know, I remember when I first started seeing you. Um, you were talking with David Weissman and you were being incredibly supportive of him. He's been on the show. And for those who don't know, he's, he used to be a Trump supporter and now he's like a Warren supporter. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's supporting. Uh, Biden, yeah, but...
1: I totally know. Yeah, I think I felt for him. I have a lot of empathy. I came out of um, Baptist fundamentalist, evangelical, independent fundamentalist, Baptist family background yeah. and have since separated from that ideology and worldview. I mean, I have a, I have a faith, but I let my own faith guide it. I'm not owing membership to a club, you know? So I have pulled away and, you know, I'm a demon and an apostate (laughs) and all that stuff for my, for my views now, but I understood him. And I think that's why I felt for him and reached out and said, no, no, I'm here for you.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I would see the two of you, you know, he, I was like tripping out on him because he, you know, kind of did this 180 and, so I had him on the show. He's been on the show twice, and and I think that he's sincere, and I really appreciate his um, ability to kind of question and to to say, all right, well, I'm willing to question my beliefs and 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 open myself up. And I just think it's awesome. So I would see the two of you, um, and then I realized that you are Kirk's wife, and Kirk's been on the show before. So I would, you know, after we kind of got this rapport going, and it's like you said, I mean, I've developed friendships on on twitter with people that i would you know it's like you've never met them in person but yet you feel this connection with them and so now i want to talk to you (laughs)
1: thanks lady i mean i i feel similarly but there are it doesn't always happen you know you have that quick funny you know exchanges with people all day long but there's a handful of people that you genuinely really care for and that's hard to explain but it does happen
0: yeah and it's it's kind of this weird phenomenon but it but there it is. So tell me, what are you and Kirk and your gorgeous daughter doing? Like, how are you surviving (laughs) this whole quarantine? uh, uh,
1: Kirk is, preparing for the zombie apocalypse that's what he's doing um and and talking loudly with his friends in new york and being very puerto rican pound puppy from the bronx that's that's his that's his vibe yeah um and he walks around the backyard with the dogs and just kind of talks for hours on end we we're into coffee yeah. until about <laughs> noon, uh-huh. and then ask each other what time it's okay to pour that first glass of wine. <laughs> like, are we all right? Scarlet is supposed to start online school. That's our fifteen-year-old. Oh, wow. um, but this week is just uh, all her teachers are reaching out to her to find out kind of what time they want to start because yeah. they get it. There's nothing to do all day, so they could do it anytime. Yeah. So that's what she's doing. She's she's she vacillates from being super pouty to then just getting excited over coloring her hair and ordering <laughs> color online. And all rules are off. She can do whatever she likes. Right. You know, I yes. got her a bunch of spray cans of paint to graffiti up her room. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, thought that, I thought she'd look for a plan, you know, like yeah. some kind of artful installation. no it's just like and then we have to drag her out of there every 10 minutes because it smells you know so yeah. bad wow. so that's what she's doing she orders things we all take turns ordering stuff on amazon <laughs> yeah. you know and he'll in the morning he'd be like who orders the weighted hula hoop and i'm like oh that's me don't yell at her it sounded fun it might kill 15 minutes a day
0: oh so. my god that's so funny yeah, um,
1: so that I just nothing, you know, nothing yeah. and everything around the house. We're such unsociable socialites anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that just the idea of being home isn't that bad. Right. It's just you feel limited in terms of if you go out, you could die. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just like the, the stakes are much higher, but basically, we're doing the same thing. It's yeah. taking the biggest hit. On Scarlett.
0: Scarlett, I was going to say, because I can't even mm-hmm. freaking imagine what it's like to be a 15-year-old yeah. during this. That would no. be so hard. Is she hard.
1: out of the room? I think she is. She's far away. I could say she had a major breakdown last night. Aww. Like, I, I hate people who eat bats and, you know, Aww. and that made this happen yeah. and really throw it, like, really, really angry that, mm-hmm. we, that we've done this to her world. You mm-hmm. know, she can't understand
0: it. Well, neither can I, frankly. It's upsetting to all mm-hmm. of us. But yeah, I mean, I can't even... I, I mean, just like you, Bob and I, uh, and probably even more so, we are such homebodies. I, you know, we and Bob is even more so than I am. And I've always been a homebody, but he's, you know, he's does his podcast, he does his writing. He's got um, he's got an office filled with all his nerd stuff because he likes, you know, Batman and. Um, you know he's got the cars and the action figures and Star Wars and everything so it's like for him it's for both of us it's really not that different it's just like oh my god on Saturday I went grocery shopping and it was so surreal because the you know a lot of the shelves I mean I got everything I needed but there was nothing on the list that I was unable to get but It was definitely different because instead of just the toilet paper aisle being empty, it was, there was like three boxes of pasta and there were like, you know, just a few canned goods. So it freaked me out and I saw the manager and I went up to him with my mask on and I'm like, "Um, are you guys going to be getting more stuff? Because I keep coming in here and seeing stuff is emptying out. And he, poor manager, he just looked at me and he's like, you know, I think it was in the first... The first week when everybody started hoarding, he said that it was like four times the amount of what they normally buy um, on like, Christmas, like Christmas orders, yes. like four times
1: the orders that they do for
0: major holidays. Yes. Like that. And so it's like he just had this defeated look on his face. And he said, he goes, I know we're going to start getting on a more regular schedule coming up, but the toilet paper and the paper towels are always going to be an issue. And I was like,
1: yeah. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't do any hoarding at all. Yeah. But we had we had more toilet paper than I would normally have had anyway, just what because of I don't know. Oh hey, this forty eight pack looks good. Right. You know, a few months ago. So I had I just had it. So I, I just keep it in reserve for somebody who's like, absolutely desperate. I'm yeah. like, Oh, no, I'll come. That's I got so, it. That's so gotcha. sweet
0: of you. You guys are freaking sweet. That's all I got. to say. We just want the world to whack their bottom. All. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's let's get into you. Let's dig in. So I know that you were born in Iowa, but raised in Honolulu. So what's that all about?
1: Okay, I was I was born in Creston, Iowa. Okay, but I really only stayed there about six weeks. I didn't really bond with the state. I don't really (laughs) feel like an Iowan. You know what I mean? It's like all my formative years. We lived in Texas briefly. My dad was a preacher, okay, and he had a Baptist church in Odessa, Texas, when I was about four. And his friend Max Helton had a church in Hawaii. And Max came through to speak at our church, like as a guest speaker, and told my dad that his daughter, Leah, had leukemia. I was four. I remember this really clearly. Yeah. And because she had leukemia, they were going to have to leave the church in Hawaii and move to a city that had a, a big children's hospital. And that's and he asked my dad if he would go over and take over the church with his family and that's what he did but Hmm. as as the job dictates if you're a missionary you go to you get them you go to all these different churches and they help raise your support they're Mm -hmm. like constituents with checkbooks right like that and they they support you for 25 dollars or 50 what, what what have you and so we traveled around and raised our support for a number of months and you know sang songs and did that we're big the christian von traps kind (laughs) of like that imagine that and raised our support and moved to hawaii and i was six and that's when that so so all of my formative years were in hawaii Mm -hmm. and uh that's um when um I decided I wanted to kind of get into show business Mm -hmm. and acting. And I worked in Tokyo for about four years off and on, like four months
0: every year for four years. But how did that, I want to know how that came about. Like, did you, yeah. What did you do to get gigs in Japan?
1: Okay. In Hawaii, they use Hawaii as a location.
0: A lot of Japanese productions for commercials and
1: stuff. I was starting to pull away from my fundamentalist family's ideologies Mm -hmm. a little bit and realized I did not want to go to Jerry Falwell's college like my sister did (laughs) I just didn't want to yeah and so there's a part of me that's like what can I do Mm -hmm. and it must be very drastic so I made a cut and it had to be very deep and exacting and I got pregnant when I was 15 Wow. now yeah and so I, I graduated from high school very early I'm one of those kids who's like both very bright not too smart You know, it's like, like winging and waiting, like I can do both. I can get you a girl who can do both. (laughs) So I had Misty, my older daughter, when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, my parents were there for me. Initially they wanted me to just give her up for adoption Mm -hmm. and be sent to a, or, or I think it was threatened that I would be sent to like a girl's home or something. Mm -hmm. And my grandma intervened and said, no, it's a natural sin. It's not like she's a drug addict. And that's (laughs) what, saved my existence and i was allowed to stay home and have misty mm-hmm. if i married i had to marry the 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 teenage wow. boyfriend who was abusive you know oh. and uh, so they went to a judge and asked for you know permission for me to be able to marry at 15 wow and i did and that did not work out yeah <laughs> and uh <sighs> And yet, here we have Misty. But I think I, I used all of that to kind of practice saying, "I am, I am other. I am mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am divergent." Mm-hmm. I think was what I was saying, even as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now have a thirty-seven-year-old who lives in London, outside of London, in Kent, and was voted British Food Blogger of the Year. I sent wow. her to Sarah Lawrence. That's yeah, so she cool. just she's awesome. I'm married to a drinks writer as well. And, uh, so that's how that happened. So I have the bookends of my fertility. Wow. I have Misty. Misty. She's like, mommy, why did you name me Misty? Really? Like Misty Dawn. I was like, honey, I was 15. You're lucky your name is not hello kitty. <laughs> wow. And it's so true. I mean, what did I know? What yeah. did I know? So yeah. for a few years I gave her permission to change her name if she wanted to, because yeah. no one should be stuck with a name that a 15 year old thinks is a good idea, right. but we never found anything that we both agreed on, so Misty she I like Misty. Misty! That's I like funny. it, and then I have Scarlet, this yes. one on this end. Like so that. when I was in Hawaii, I had to do something, you know? I had to, like, make some money, and started taking some modeling pictures. I think every teenage girl just mm-hmm. likes to model or mm-hmm. think of themselves as yes. I'm not a model, you know? Yeah. But I found this this niche in, in in the Japanese market, where if you look eternally... 15 for them. They give you lots of money. <laughs> they love it. They love it. So I started getting like day jobs in commercial productions for Japanese companies huh. and developed a book and got a or you know got an agent and that agent then set me up to me. I don't think they ever really thought I was contract material to be like sent out on contract. Like they just ignored me and I heard through the grapevine that this agency was meeting girls at the certain hotel. And I just showed up. Uh-huh. I mean, like the, 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 the balls. <laughs> now, now I look back and think, Oh, we lamb, you know, yes. with my Irish orphan Afro hair and, you know, no, here, sir, take a look at these for whatever reason. Satoru Agency, and then and then Folio Elite decided I was just what the Japanese market needed, Hmm. and I worked out there like off and on for four years. Wow! So that's but I knew I wanted to act, and I had this baby on my hip, Mm -hmm. and I was watching the news, and I will never forget because it was like boom when something hits you like Mm -hmm. that, like so short, like this is what you're going to do. Yeah, because I didn't really have a plan. I have to tell you now. I mean, I know it looked like I (laughs) I had no plan. So I have this baby on my hip and I'm watching the news and Jack Hogan, there's a segment. He was a, he was a casting director, the local casting director for Magnum PI oh, at wow. the time. And he had an acting workshop and was inviting people saying, if you're an acting, you know, you can come and take the workshop. And I was like, oh, I saw a through line to mm-hmm. Well, if I'm brilliant, which I will be, he will pick <laughs> me and put me on Magnum PI and my life will be solved. You know? So I, I I went not only when I was watching that I can do that, mm-hmm. but I will thrive. Do you yes. know what I mean? Like it was just yes. it was so clear to me that that's what I was going to do. Yeah. So I didn't. I mean, I kind of came from a show business family. When I mean, you consider my dad was a was a a preacher with mm-hmm. great stage presence. Mm-hmm. You know, like he could he could keep people's attention for yeah. a long, long time. So kind of I did. And that's how it started. So I knew I wanted to act, but I had to make money because when you have a child, you cannot move to L.A. and share an apartment with some waitress actresses. Mm -hmm. You need real money. Mm -hmm. You need money. So that's what I did. Saved my money, moved to L.A. My sister moved out, helped me. Like a year, got a job with a private investigator (laughs) to just kind of be that person at home so I could audition. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And I got a McDonald's commercial, a Pop-Tarts commercial, and then a lead in a... Disney. You remember those Sunday night white World of Disney yes, movies I they do. used to have? Yeah. yeah, that was my first job. It was wow. kind of a Lord of the Flies thing called Exile. Wow.
0: That's such a tr- Cory Feldman was in it. Oh my god. And
1: he would stagger to the uh-huh. beach, you know, when we were shooting each morning. I remember him grabbing me and going
0: do I have lines today? <laughs> it's like, oh no, we're going to be here a very long yeah. time. <laughs> well, I I want to just interject really quick because you said, you know, teenage girls often want to be models. Well, of course I did. There was this, uh-huh. I don't know if you remember, there was a movie back in 19, I don't know if it was like 82, 81, 82, called Paper Dolls. Did you ever see that? Yes. Okay, so that was it. I I had become, I had gone from, like one, I was 5'8 eight in eighth grade. I was 5'8 and 170 pounds. And I was like, I looked around and I saw all the girls in my class. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm huge. And I went on a diet. So then I went from 5'8, 170 to like almost six feet and 125. And so, oh, gee. yeah. And so, I mean, I was still wearing glasses. <laughs> I had thick, thick glasses. But I mean, I, I went from like the awkward... Chubby teen that was very tall to to being like the swan who still wore glasses and was like so slender and so I yeah. wanted to be a model and um, you know while I was a teen I kind of got into it a, a, a little bit but really it didn't take and then when I was older probably about um, nineteen or so I I moved to Hollywood and I was this was when I was living uh, well whatever I I was living in Hollywood and <laughs> I decided okay I'm just gonna go. To modeling agencies, I didn't have a book or anything, but I had like just, you know, I heard somewhere somebody said, you know, take a Polaroid or take whatever you've got. and Yeah, I, open days. They yes. have those open things where you just go. Right. And so because I had that movie in my head where this girl became, you know, Paper Dolls was about a woman who became, or a teenager who became like this very famous popular model almost overnight she was discovered of course like that's what i saw myself i was like that Mm -hmm. that needs to happen to me i have to Mm -hmm. be that model so this was right around the time of the uh kate moss was becoming popular i think it was like the the heroin chic models were just about that time and i was so not that i was closer to the um not that I look like Christy Brinkley but closer to that and there, who was that other one there was a woman Kim something and I can't remember she was my favorite model I can't remember her last name I want to say control but it's of course it's not control Kim Alexis Kim Alexis, Kim Alexis. Yes. yeah yeah and
1: yeah so I mean I, I was a Linda Evangelista fan yeah
0: so. right okay well and I looked nothing like this new crop of models and I remember this man took me aside and he was like look he goes uh, I think you're an attractive woman and everything, but you just don't have the luck. It's just never gonna happen for you. <laughs> so I, I just remember hearing that and like feeling so crushed. And I kind of understood that he was right because I was not bone thin. I, you know, I was, I've never been bone thin. I've never been model thin, um, even if I wanted to. I just, it, when I, what, there was one time in my life and I'll shut up and go back to you in a second. But there was one time in my life when I got sick and I got severe bacterial sinusitis, and I was already thin, and then I lost maybe 10 pounds. And I remember people, like this guy in my acting class came up to me, and he was so concerned. He's like, Kimberly, don't lose any more weight. <laughs> and, I was oh, like, gosh. and I remember thinking, haha ha well, I'm going to gain it back. This is because I'm sick. Uh-huh. But it was like the one time in my life where I was like uber thin but i looked wrong because i have really big it's bones. not right
1: for you you know it's it's so strange to me how I, I i guess i get it like like even anne frank thinker of her generation had mm-hmm. little movie stars up on her wall that's what yeah. little girls like they just for some reason like to they like their they like the glamour
0: yes but that's what no
1: is. little girl like i remember my older daughter literally being upset one day now we just laugh at it but crying like oh, i'm only five two or four, yeah. like, I will never be a, a right.
0: model. And,
1: <laughs> and I comforted her and we talked in that and I laughed and said, but why is it no little girl wakes up crying and going, I will never be the fastest woman in the Olympics ever. Yes, you know, like right. there's so many things that are not attainable for, I will never be a rocket scientist, yeah. but the only one that seems to really hurt them is that yeah. they can't model. It's funny i think it's just kind of sweet and almost childish but well that, i think it's also like
0: patriarchal because i think we're taught at a very early age that a woman's value is on her parents and so i mean i know i can speak from my own experiences as somebody who continues to deal with body image issues and body hatred and all of that so it's like i always felt um that my value was wrapped up in and, and i'll just be real quick and say this i right as i was starting to act I had, you know, I call him my gay husband and I was talking to my gay husband and, and, you know, I felt very comfortable with him. And so I asked him, um, do you think I'm, beautiful? Or am I really beautiful? And he laughed at me because he, he, you know, he thought that it sounded like I was so up, up my own ass and everything. But wh- what it really came from was this deep insecurity that I was like, okay, yeah, I'm a good looking woman, but am I good looking enough? Am I valuable enough? And that's what I was looking for because I was, a f- I, I kind of believed that I wasn't good looking enough. No, to I,
1: I totally understand you. And I will, I will hear you and raise you this craziness. There is a part of me that, although I've done a lot of work that I enjoy and I'm really proud of, there's a part of me that says, what's wrong with me? I have never been in a casting couch situation. No one has ever Get on me like do this for a job. And I was like, maybe it's because I'm not pretty. you know, I'm right. literally because wow. you hear everyone's stories. I've yeah. never been in that situation. I think it speaks more to i've I was always running home to feed a child or get a second grader out of school., yeah. and so I probably was always busy is what it right. was. I didn't go to parties. you know, I didn't yes. go to gatherings, like I never could.
0: Yeah. So that was perfect. Well, and you're fortunate. I mean, even in my limited existence as an actress, I had that happen to me and it was just from this low life kind of lowbrow um, producer who just like found me in a mall. But he wanted me. Mm-hmm. He sat there for an hour talking to me and then um, acted as if I, you know, he was so impressed with who I was and then when he gives me copy and it was just the two of us alone in his office. And basically the copy was that the girl gets on the guy and gives him a lap dance. And so I Oh, gosh! No, I just thought, no. And this was this was early on in my career when I was not even barely auditioning yet. And I wouldn't get on him. And and then he told me how disappointed he was in me. And it was like, whatever. (laughs) And then I found out, interestingly, years later, uh, Logan, his name was Logan. He was Logan Films. And I put it on Twitter or Facebook or something. And somebody on Facebook who I was friends with had said, oh, that guy is notorious for pulling shit like that. So there you go.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, that's not entirely true. I said all that, and it's not really true. The first movie that I did, but the guy to me didn't have power, mm-hmm. but it happened on a set. He was a big makeup artist. He'd done Tom Cruise's, like, Born on the Four. He'd done a lot of movies with Tom Cruise, and he was the makeup artist, key yeah. makeup on this thing. And I'm sure he was just wasting time because we were a bunch of kids, you yeah. know, on a Disney show. Like, whatever, I have four weeks to fill. So yeah. he did it. Wow. I liked him. He was fun. He was just chatty. He was nice. And all of us would kind of hang out with him. He had a family. talked about his wife, talked about his son, all this stuff. Hmm. One night, all the girls were in this room. We'd gone out together, and we were back in my room. And it was like, oh, we have an early call. Okay, good night. Everybody go out. And as he was the last one to go out, he didn't go out. Mm -hmm. He ushered everybody else out and then closed the door behind him. Hmm. And then it was like a, a Pepe Le Pew, you know, around yeah. the room and like on top of you, and like in real. And he had the adjoining room, so mm. I was really kind of freaked out by wow. that. And it took it took about fifteen nos, like yeah. no, no, and and then he left. Well, that's good. and then and then the next day wouldn't do my makeup until very last. Ugh. You know what I mean? Like that, like that kind of thing for like right. a week, making you feel like, what's gonna happen? Have wow. I offended you? That I didn't want you on top of me in my room exactly. when I didn't ask for it and you're married. You know what I mean? Right. That kind of awkwardness. But I don't really feel victimized yeah. by that. I, right. I just feel like you're a creep. Exactly. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, exactly. I totally get that. So let me ask you this, going back to you and your work. I'm When you moved to Los Angeles, did, where did you study?
1: I studied with a fantastic fantastic acting coach named harry mastro george Hmm, and i think he still teaches harry um and it was a very special class it was hard it was three and a half hours long three hours long on tuesdays and thursdays and then in his class and in my class right across from me was there was ray leota so i knew it wasn't and this was when he was doing goodfellas and Mm -hmm. all that so i knew it wasn't a you know a low level class where everybody just auditioned for TV commercials or something so I felt like it was good you know and I wanted I wanted to be a part of that so he was he was excellent and really influential in shaping how I approach the work and how I am not um nothing nothing can take your focus away like you you own it all I don't care I can go in an audition and the 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 casting director can literally be murmuring your lines Mm -hmm. as you're saying them and it won't throw me you know what I mean it's like yeah. that kind of steely focus and I got that from Harry wow. and he he would say acting is just a child's game played on an adult level hmm. but still with children's rules and wow. that's what it is like if you take a little four-year-old and go okay we're gonna play a game and you're Anne Boleyn four-year-old will just go sure I'm Anne Boleyn (laughs) you get an actor and they'll be like well what's my what's my you know what am I wanting what do I want out of you and they talk it to death and they separate themselves from the honesty of just accepting okay yeah I'm this right so it's that way ultimately we're all after the same thing but I found him very 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 valuable. And he was so kind to me. And as a single mom, mm-hmm. he, he would let me like pull him aside and go, look, I can't pay you till next week. And it was always fine. Yeah. And then he always let me leave an hour early because I didn't, I had to pick her up from the babysitter or let them go. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was that person.
0: Wow. Was it, did he yeah. have a certain technique? Like I studied the Meisner technique. Did he have a technique? No. no?
1: no nope. he's technique less like that he did he wasn't theory or, but in the end like i said i think we all kind of want the same thing right. out of
0: performance but it's just different ways of going okay. about it yes absolutely absolutely so then um i, so I studied with him for years years and years and years huh. and
1: um would would drop
0: out to go do a show
1: or right. this or that and then come back and that's just the way it was and then you come to a point where you figure even just like any other education where you feel like you've you kind of got it and yes mm-hmm. if you're working you're you're working and you but it's when you're not doing anything that you become rusty but mm-hmm. i didn't want to be just a perpetual student all the time so mm-hmm. just kind of you know i don't know doing other things and and like like now i'm kind of branching out into doing a lot more writing mm-hmm. um ironic now that we're like in quarantine lockdown yeah. for a worldwide <laughs> pandemic i was writing a black comedy and it didn't really mean to be this
0: black. Right. <laughs> like, they gonna be like,
1: this third act takes a really grim turn.
0: Soon. Well, you know, what's so weird is my mom is a writer and she writes books and she literally is finishing up a book on a global pandemic. I mean, Are you it's serious? Like, yeah. And she's like, she's like, well, it may not be fun to be, or, you know, how did she say it? She said this on Facebook. She's like something about how it's like existing through a global pandemic pandemic really helps you write one you know write a book about one yeah. and you write know, about what you know exactly right? so you know I mean her book basically kind of focuses on the um the life that goes on after the pandemic kills most of the population and then it's just this you know small group of people who start over but it's just yeah. kind of and i read it you know in december for you know i'm a reader of hers so i read it to look for holes or mistakes or whatever and mm-hmm. um so it's like very strange coming off of um the holiday break we go right into a global fucking pandemic it's like oh my yeah. god <laughs> it's so it weird terrifying <laughs> this has
1: always been terrifying to me cuz i i like cut my teeth on I mean they're gonna take over the world and kill yeah, Christians. Right, you know, and right. end times and the rapture and being exposed to things that are far more terrifying than like an eight or nine year old really should be exposed yeah, to. Right. And and I had fainting spells as wow. a kid that I know were directly tied to just deep anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, over all this stuff and I didn't want to hear about it. I didn't want to hear about it. And mm. it's just it's like there's so much focus on the afterlife so much less so on this life, Mm -hmm. like every, and I don't, I didn't understand that. And I don't know what it was about me that could sit under my dad's preaching and hear them say that, Oh, say a little nine-year-old in India is of the age of accountability, quote unquote, and doesn't say this perfect prayer at this time. And she's an, even though she's a good little Hindu girl, she in a monsoon storm, say she dies and, and, and drowns, she will go to hell. Wow. Is what I and I and I remember sitting there at nine and in my head, taking a long pull off mm-hmm. a cigarette and blowing it and going, No, she's not. <laughs> no, she's not. I just didn't see God as that kind of mean yeah, bipolar high school boyfriend.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Do do as I
1: say, or I will just whack you. That's not. That's not it. And I don't know why. If you're just doing it out of fear, how can their basic tenet of God is love be true? Mm -hmm. I can't. I don't get it. I don't get that.
0: Well, you know, my mom was raised Catholic, and I think uh, she went to Catholic school. And one day, one of the nuns had said that if your parents aren't Catholic, they're going to go to hell. And I guess my grandfather, who I never got to meet, he died before I was born, but. Um, I don't know what he was. Maybe he was nothing. Maybe he was something else. But, uh, my mother just was, I don't know how old she was, but you know, maybe nine, maybe, maybe close to that age. And she heard that her father was going to hell and she thought, this is bullshit. <laughs> like, uh-huh, this uh-huh. is bullshit. So it's kind of the same deal. Like you just kind of it realize. is. I think
1: you figure out who you are really early
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and, um, I, I if there's one thing that I can thank for all of this chaos and the 2016 election is that I finally know exactly how I feel mm-hmm. about all all things I, I I'm very clear on that and I, I wasn't before I was just kind of like mm, yeah. meh, Republican Democrat didn't really matter now now that the lines are kind of firmly mm-hmm. drawn I know what what I
0: feel yeah.
1: and and I'm passionate about it and that's about the only good thing I can
0: say I got, yeah, this whole experience, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I guess we do have to find that silver lining, don't we? Because it's
1: really smooth. lemons, lemonade kind of thing. I know, I know.
0: Okay, so back to your career now. Let me ask yeah. you this when you were okay, so you studied and you got these commercials. When you, I gotta say, you got some gigs pretty quick, and um, that's impressive because uh, you know, as my experience. Um, I I didn't necessarily, I I was able to get, I I did book Days of Our Lives because the the, um, acting coach that I was with had, after we finished our two and a half year program, we went on to what was called the professional level. And then we would invite, whether it was agents or casting directors, and then we would just do like, you know, little scenes for them. And I right. heard that he and I had always been a fan of Days of Our Lives. I watched it with my grandmother when I was nine and my mother w- and I watched it in, when I was in my early 20s. And so I'd always watched it and, and I felt like it was my family. And so as soon as I found out, he knew that casting director, both my mother and I, because my mother was in the acting class, too, were in his ear, like, bring her in, bring her in, bring her. Finally brought her in. And I mean, she hired everybody. But my mother actually got the best out of all of it because she worked enough on that show to get, you know, like SAG insurance and, and and invites to the, to the annual parties and stuff like that. And, um, oh,
1: that's cool. Yeah. yeah. That
0: was fun. But I mean, it didn't necessarily come easy for me. In fact, and I want to ask you about this. I was in a commercial class one time, which I was not good at commercial auditions, um, I, especially if you were going to talk directly to the camera. I could do the, you know, improvisational with people and I could do lines with people. But as soon as you had to do that, like Excedrin, stare in the camera and, and just talk <laughs> monologue, I was terrible. I <laughs> but this guy said to me once, he was a casting director and I was in a class and he said, um, he asked me if I had an anger problem. <laughs> I guess it was just because I sucked. I sucked okay. at doing that. Like I guess I just looked angry. But, I mean, so hmm. as far as you're concerned, like, how was it for you when you started auditioning? F- I mean, you got commercials, but as far as, like, you know, the Saved by the Bell and stuff like that, how fast was it for you? How quickly did you get those jobs?
1: Um, I, okay,
0: I got the first commercials within...
1: That first year of being here, like first six wow. months, even That's two, so two national commercials like that. And then um, I think that it was within the first nine months that I got the lead in the the NBC Exile Disney thing. Right. OK. So fast enough to where it didn't look like that. I mean, I, I gave it a time too. I mean, I had a child, so mm-hmm. there was a ticking clock. You know, I couldn't do it forever. Yeah. Without doing, it. So Then felt very lucky to have gotten the lead in that. And then read for Saved by the Bell. And the th- because I worked for the Japanese people, like I said, my main talent was just looking stupidly young. Or <laughs> for whatever. That was it. That was mm-hmm. my gift. That's my superpower. I'm like a decade and a half younger than I am. That's mm-hmm. it. That's my gift. So I read for, I brought it. was brought in to read for Saved by the Bell, The College Years. Mm-hmm. It was the only one that was like primetime. And... A decade, I'm like a decade older than all of them. And at the test, Peter Engel found out that I was of that age. And he he like really hemmed and hawed like whether it would be okay. But they let me, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. they decided to go with me and that it was funny. And that gave me, that saved my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a kid. I had a kid in a Lutheran private school. So I had I had to pay for something. So I just remember being in a very different life than all the cast at the time you know but they were 18 and doing things that 18 year olds do yeah and so I was older and I didn't come to town until later too it was it was later. I was like 25 or 26 mm. and started working. so mm. fast enough but not fast enough for me at the right. time you know yeah. what I mean it always feels like you're never like everybody else is always doing so much more that kind of thing <laughs> but well, I then, did that it... and then read for Independence Day and got that and that was. An amazing job. Well, that's when I recognized you.
0: I when I saw your face on Twitter, I was like, I know that. I know that face. (laughs) 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 And I knew it from Independence Day.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's it's. I've been both fortunate and then kind of dogged in my pursuit of. I just remember being very very focused. And someone told me early on. I don't know if I read it in a book or someone actually told it to me, but having a career. You know, in acting or in show business is like crossing a stream, jumping from one sinking, slippery, mossy (laughs) rock to another sinking, (laughs) slippery, mossy rock. There is no there is no real firm ground ever, Mm -hmm. no matter where you are. There's going to you're going to look to your side and see 10 people who've done exactly what you've done, but with higher accolades or better, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So you always have to have like a really deep belief in yourself and bring to what you can and i love to audition i love to win over a room i will jump through the hoop of fire 14 times to get Hmm. the job that i want yeah and we'll we'll do it um and i don't know i don't know maybe that's true like all actors are really hurting puppies i heard emotionally and you can like turn it on or turn it off
0: yeah well, you know, I mean, it's it's so fascinating to me because I, I look back on my experiences and I was pursuing an acting career for basically a decade. And um, I, you know, I was able to, it, you know, oftentimes I would go on an audition and I would either get called straight to a producer or I would get the call back, which tells you you're good enough for the part, but I wasn't really booking parts. And interestingly at the beginning of this year I started utilizing manifestation which I kind of dabbled in um, earlier in my life but the long and short is it's like the law of attraction when you have when you have positive thoughts you're likely to uh, attract positive experiences and so Mm -hmm. so much of my life I've been very negative about myself particularly about the belief in myself and so I look back when I was pursuing an acting career and even though I know that I was good and I know that um, I was capable of working, I wasn't getting booked and I was telling myself at the time the reason I wasn't booking roles was because I was too tall or I wasn't thin enough. And and then there was this worry in the back of my head that if I do book a gig, um, I'm not going to have time to work out and I'm going to gain weight. I was so fixated on my physical appearance, basically. And I was also, I also battled... Um, mild to moderate acne. So I I had these uh, devil voices in my head telling me I was not going to make it. I wasn't going to be good Mm -hmm. enough. And so Mm -hmm. even though I had a, a, I did have a confidence in my ability, there was this, this fear of my, you know, and we're such a, Hollywood is so based on how you look and um, oh, so it is.
1: It's a town based on lookism. You can go to New York and put on an accent and a funny hat and get a job in a stage play yeah. doing something. But in LA, you will play whatever they think yeah, you look like. Exactly. And then-
0: yeah. And it's just, you know, I mean, I also didn't play the game and, um, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't a kiss ass. I mean, I basically just took it very seriously and I thought, okay, when I have an audition, I'm going to be on time and I'm going to know my lines and I'm going to be professional and I'll wear the right clothes. And I thought that would be enough. And it was like one little story is I auditioned for, I don't remember the name of the show, but it was the one that Pam Anderson was on the Pamela Anderson show. Um, I think she was a private eye or something like that. Oh, oh, um, okay. Not Baywatch. No, not Baywatch. It was, it was the one that was after that. And so there was this casting director that specifically... I met him in my acting class, and and he called me in. And uh, he had said in my acting class, I never... Forget a talented actor. So if you don't book the role that I call you in for, I'll never forget you. So he he calls me in for this show, and I'm supposed to play like this Russian ice queen, which I used to freaking live in Russia, and I speak with. Yeah, we p- going to talk
1: to you about that. I speak some Russian too. Oh, well I, I just
0: studied Russian just because of my
1: my gymnastic coaches. Oh and,
0: wow. Well, I mean, I don't speak so much Russian now, but I speak a perfect. I spoke a perfect Russian accent.
1: And yeah, I was yeah. always
0: good at accents. So I remember like, I go in and I do my audition. Before I even start, I'm like, do you want me to use a Russian accent? And the casting director's like, well, if you know how to really do it. And I'm like, step aside. (laughs) So I do this great accent. And he he goes, can you come back in an hour to meet the producers? Sure. So I go down and I've got my Thomas guide in the car and I'm like reading my Thomas guide in a Russian accent. I go back up there and I'm literally in front of like a seat of maybe five or six men and it's just me in a chair and it's these five or six men in front of me and I do the audition and they literally clapped and sure. I never heard from them. I never got called back for anything and so my experience in Hollywood was, was like that. You know, it's like. Is that a guest star role, though, or a recurrent? It was, Is that just for a one off? I don't remember, but I think it was a guest star role.
1: Because I will tell you, you probably would have gotten it if it would have been series regular, because you can actually do it. The hardest things to get our single guest star, especially when they make you come in audition because yeah. every single guy in that room has like 15 friends who can right, do it exactly. and it's just an episode and it goes usually to something like that. I played a Romanian princess on JAG once. Oh wow. <laughs> but I was supposed to just like been raised in boarding school in like English. So it was a different kind of accent. But
0: right. <laughs> yeah. So what, what would you explain like with your experience as a woman in Hollywood, do you think that you've had good fortune Have do you think you've had to work harder than men like what what would you say like your overall experiences as a woman in Hollywood? hollywood is
1: i think that i i had a lot of success and was really fortunate but i i really did focus and do the work on it like most auditions maybe i don't know what the general time of working on something would be but i would give it 15 20 hours of focus mm-hmm. and really really working on it and so i kind of feel like i did work harder and had a deep well of like emotional reserves to to bring this kind of very pained part i played a lot of victims you know mm-hmm. it was it pinged meters i was always either really funny or super emotional mm-hmm. you know like being really silly ping 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 or bawling my eyes out <laughs> so Early on, I mean, I was crying because I was raped, crying because I was kidnapped, crying because my mom died, crying because that's a girl thing, right? (laughs) That's like every girl. Kirk, I don't think, has ever been called on to, like, bawl about anything. You know, they don't do it. He kills people and I cry. (laughs) That's like what we do. (laughs) So I think really, really fortunate and haven't felt that, oh, my God, it's horrible to women to a point and Mm -hmm. now i get it Mm -hmm. because now that i'm not of childbearing age (sighs) and casting directors know i'm not Mm -hmm. 38 or 42 they won't bring me in wow unless it's 50 and then if they bring me in to play a 50 year old i'm sitting in a room with 60 year olds which i don't care but Mm -hmm. that's what the room is and then they're all glaring at me like what are you doing here what are you really mean actually wow and i say to them you guys i'm not i'm not Gonna get this, you know, because I don't look it because I don't look what I am. If yeah. you just anonymously walked up to somebody at the Grove, of course, nobody's at the Grove today, so mm-hmm. no one would ask that, but you know <laughs> what I mean. You, yeah, you'd, you'd ask someone, How old do you think she is? It would be so much younger, yeah. But for some reason, because of the IMDb age and because people know mm-hmm. online about how old you are they won't bring you in. Wow. And they don't write roles. They don't write good roles for 50-year-olds. If you're a star, no. you're fine. Right. You're fine. You're fine. Helen Mirren, she's fine. You mm-hmm. know Meryl Streep, she'll be fine. There will right. always be these people that like continue to work. But in terms of just a working actress, mm-hmm. which is what I it's a barren wasteland wow. where opportunity is concerned right that's now. That's ridiculous. I can go I can go a year and not get a good audition. God. Nothing that. to do, nothing to do, which is why I was just advised you gotta go, you gotta go write something. Yeah, you know, and people will be, you know, extremely flattering. I don't care. Yeah. I don't want you as my friend. They'll tell my shit. But, Alex, I don't care I want a job right you know on right. anything I'll be the mom on whatever because it's good to get out mm-hmm. and get a job yeah and so I feel starved out yeah. and I'm, I'm really mad about it and I think that the ageist thing is really coming into play yeah you know because I, I look too young to be my age right and yet no one will let me come in and look what I play because they secretly know right how old you are However, it never really bothers them that, you know, um, I'm a big fan, but you know that Jessica Alba is not a nuclear physicist.
0: That doesn't bother them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's like
1: authenticity, but oh, when it comes to the age, they're going to hold your feet to the fire. Mm -hmm. So I'm having a hard time navigating my way around that one, and my only thing I can pull out is fuck you. I'll write my own thing. Yeah. Well, that's what
0: you have to do. I mean, it's like, it's unfortunate and it's sad. And I can only imagine it must be extra frustrating because Kirk probably doesn't have to deal with any of that. And it probably comes easier for him just because (laughs) it comes easier for men.
1: Well, he was—he was saying no. He it does—it absolutely does. It does. It absolutely does come easier for men because oh, I they you get were to work okay. like the CSI guy right. was on there forever. They can work through their fifties and sixties, yeah. and they're still "quote unquote" hot, and they—they right. they get to lead things around. But no one will hire you. I mean, they went, hey, unless <laughs> you know, it, it, the roles are just hilarious. That—that that you get. I, I don't. I can't be somebody's. Grandmother, right? I can't, no, and you know, or like they want you to be wearing like a cashmere twin set, and yeah. and c- cooking something in the kitchen. I play grown-up Tinker Bells with a past, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, and they don't, they don't write for that so much. Right. So I have to like take so that under- advertisement the- and just make it happen myself before complaining about it. I've probably complained way too many years about it and put up with it, and that's on me. The onus is on me now because well, I know what the problem is, and I got to go do it.
0: So, are you writing a screenplay?
1: I have two different screenplays. I have things that I've written. I have one that was optioned by Michael Douglas's company, like awesome. Further Films, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Like a long, long time ago. And it was a black comedy about pageants a long time ago, mind you. And at the same time, they found out that Sandra Bullock's Miss Congeniality oh, was being okay. made. Okay, and that got back burner. So we're like pulling it out and re-looking at it. And I'd like to give it a wash into this century, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and make it make it relevant and much more colorful. And, and so I'm bringing Scarlet in to be like, hey, what do the kids say now? You know, mm-hmm. So it's pretty funny. And then I made a family movie. I wrote, wrote a family movie. And that's just... Wow very sweet and close to my heart so Mm -hmm. then i have i have like a bunch of different ideas that i have to kind of land on one Mm -hmm. so i have the attention span of like a caffeinated (laughs) ferret and that's hard (laughs) that's hard so and all of those and then the pandemic hit and you know and then staying alive and everyone that you love staying alive became kind of paramount
0: so yeah yes definitely um i want to talk about that in just a second but before we do does Scarlett want to act
1: you know she's such a Lovely little rebel. Mm-hmm. That the fact that both of her parents do it, she won't say she wants to. Right. But uh, without divulging too much, her only steady A plus grade is drama. That's pretty <laughs> funny. And dance <that's laughs> honors. You know, she's all all over the. She's very very dramatic. So let's just say she has all the earmarkings for it. Right. But she has to choose it. Yes. Oh, oh definitely.
0: Yeah, and you put up that picture of her that she kind of looks like Phoebe Cates and I could totally see it. And I was like, oh my God, I was so wanting to be Phoebe Cates. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: anybody that responded to that picture, I know exactly what, what year you came out of? You yeah. know what I mean? Because if you know who she is, and you get it, but she's so—I didn't. I, it's, un, it's uncanny how much she reminds yeah. me of Phoebe. King. A lot. And Kirk. And Kirk. Like she's just one hundred percent genetically Kirk. Acidated. Yeah. She. I
0: can definitely see Kirk. I can yeah. see, especially here's in the, the Here's
1: the. Tree. I got the stretch marks. She looks like him. <laughs> that is not fair. That is not fair.
0: No, but she. But but I could see a little bit. I could see more Kirk for sure but I can see um from the pictures that you posted I can also see you so and obviously she's got your influence so that's really good too and
1: what I've been told by my mother-in-law and other people is that she moves like me she gesticulates like me she has answers her tone is like me so Mm -hmm. that's kind of cute yeah so probably yeah but yeah (laughs) she's very and she's she's his personality she can hold her own against him she does not like whoa the two of them yeah it's hilarious wow. it's hilarious mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and what's he doing is he work he's you I think you should said he was working on something but I don't even remember now.
1: He did he did some show too. I'm the worst wife <laughs> slash publicist <laughs> ever. I seldom like get to I don't know I don't know yeah. what time his things are on but yeah he did a show he did Stump Town like just a few weeks ago but every single production has halted. Has, yes, you exactly. know there's just like nothing going on. Yeah I know he's you know in consideration and um they're in hot pursuit of him for a few projects but as to what the future holds for them you just don't know yeah so it's limbo land it's everybody is just absolutely in actor purgatory right now well, yeah. you don't know we're just sitting here waiting for it to be lifted yeah. you know
0: well i know kristen johnston announced that you know mom had shut down two two shows before they were done for the season and so um i, I i'm and she was grateful and i can only imagine and now i mean where i live in Maryland. Today, the, uh, the governor just put us on lockdown. It starts at 8 o'clock tonight, which changes nothing for me because I haven't been going out anyway unless it's been for mm-hmm. food. But um, I, you know, like I was out on Saturday and saw I, I, I briefly stepped into Target to see if they had toilet or I'm sorry, paper towels. And I saw this freaking woman walking around with like home decor in her shopping cart. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like seasonal
1: decoration. Just, flags yeah, just different. Like stuff. there was
0: a there was a picture, and she was purchasing a picture, and she had like a throw pillow, and you know, just random house decor crap. And I'm thinking, like, why is she doing this? I was so pissed. I don't know. Maybe she's
1: a house stager, and no, and she hasn't gotten the memo. that I don't no one's film this
0: like, weekend. I mean, like, I walked into all. I mean, I I went to a couple of stores to find paper towels, and. At least in this, you know, I have face masks. My father bought face masks before the pandemic became a big deal. And he's like, he called me up and he was so proud of himself. And he's like, I got a bunch of face masks. So um, he distributed them out. To the family and i got my share so i wear those mm-hmm. to the grocery store now and everything so it's like i would walk into target i didn't touch a thing i just you know i had glasses on and i walk in and i uh, got my mask on and i don't see the paper towels and i leave but i just happen to see and people are like looking at clothes yeah i don't understand that i haven't had i haven't had the inclination
1: to do my hair since we and we're about three weeks ahead of you in yeah. terms of lockdown and where we've just been sitting in this house. Right. And I was texting I think my sister and saying, Yeah, it will it's burning inward. You know, it's gonna start <laughs> at the coasts in these big cities and then roll Yes. In. So yes it is. Be prepared. Be prepared. But well at least um, they sell
0: I mean I can just buy uh, I'll just buy the hair color at the grocery store because like they have they have everything you need at the grocery store. It may not be like the best brands, but it'll course. do you'll, you can make do with what you can get from the grocery store right now and then once we go back to kind of normal which i saw today johnson and johnson are working on a vaccine that they're hoping to have out by september so um i'm hoping that, that that's true because
1: to science girls smart people save us now
0: my yes. little my little niece
1: is like in a medical program in iowa and um I think she has some COVID patients, and my, wow. we were just saying, Oh my God, be safe, yeah. Charlotte. And I, I sent her a text just telling her, Look, I, 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 the, the, the faith of the world is on you kids. Yeah. Go figure this out for us. Yeah. I, have every, I have every faith that they can. Yeah. And I don't believe 18, don't tell me 18 months. That's too depressing. I, I can't hear 18 months no. till we have like a, a reasonable treatment or, or a vaccine. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah, I need I, mean, I need a contagion type Hollywood ending, and I need it now because everything <laughs> else mirrors that movie exactly. So go do the ending part. Yes, please. Yes, please.
0: Ending. Yes, because I saw like they were talking about the flu, the flu, Spanish flu, I guess, of eighteen nineteen or 19, eighteen, it, 19, nineteen eighteen. 18 I'm 18, sorry, Spanish nineteen, 19 yeah, eighteen.
1: a million people,
0: millions. Yeah, and the thing is, is that there was three stages, and the second and third stage were the worst, were worse than the first stage. The second being the worst of all of them. But um, it's just, you know, I mean, I'm so completely frightened because my mom is, you know, just turned 73 the other day and she's alone. And so, I you know, I mean, I'm going to I I have gone over to her house to deliver some groceries, but, you know, we kept I, I washed all those groceries off and mm-hmm. you know we stayed six feet apart in her garage it was kind of chilly that day but she's got a deck so I figure as the weather gets nicer we can I can go over and visit her on the deck but uh, you know they're saying that there could be this resurgence in the fall and I'm thinking what's going to happen is she going to have mm-hmm. to spend Thanksgiving and Christmas by herself and you we know, all
1: have we all have somebody in our in yeah. our family circle that we cannot my my older daughter had suffered from blood clots in her lungs mm. about three years ago and she's on a daily course of steroids uh, and which thwart your immune system yes and now she's pregnant oh my god and so yeah i get it yeah. you know and i can handle it and i can chat and i can watch the news and take your precautions and wash your yeah. hands and i can be like this dealing with it all day long but every now and again yeah it becomes so overwhelming and you have to just have those breakdowns and then talk yourself out of that emotional tree to put one foot in front of the other for another day. I get that. Mm -hmm. I hear that (sighs) big sigh.
0: No, I know. I know. And it's like, I have a tendency to go down the rabbit hole and I'll just start listing um, all the things that can go wrong, and I mean, it's like I'll just keep going, and I, you know, Bob can't take it when I start getting into that like complete yeah. negative yeah. mode in it, and so I've, I, I stop myself because it isn't helpful. You know, I start thinking the world economy is going to fall apart, and we're never going to have this, and this is never going to happen, and blah, blah 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 blah, and then I just go off into this stream, and he's like, you need to, you need to focus, and you can't spend your time worrying because worrying is just going to make you sick and you know and yeah. he's like you because my I come from a family of warriors I mean we truly are a family of warriors and he's like you have a higher tolerance for it than I do he's like I just are like, you
1: related to Kirk you're related to Kirk <laughs> what welcome to the family <laughs> yeah he's a loud warrior I am well.
0: such a worrier oh my god and so and and I do I don't I just come like I once you get me started I'll just tell you all the reasons why we're doomed And it just Mm -hmm. never will end. And so, and I'm trying very hard to, you know, keep that. I, I started, like I said working on manifesting. And so every time I go into that negative thought, I have to like replace it. I try to replace those negative thoughts with all the things that I'm grateful for. And then I try to like, you know, put the, the light around my mom and see her as protected and healthy mm-hmm. and see us coming out of this with everybody. But it's like, you know, and then I watch the news.
1: <laughs> and yeah. Like,
0: ah! yeah. And it's Yeah. So scary. The news is
1: frightening. I was saying the news is so frightening. Yeah. I, watched forensic files and it didn't even move me to, i wasn't even chilled I was yeah. like i'm beginning to think nothing at all will scare me yeah. so i was saying i'm gonna start shopping on craigslist again because i just <laughs> I'm, I'm not scared what the
0: fuck you know oh <laughs> like, my god okay so let me ask this last question and you you, yeah. you don't have to tell me if you don't want to but do you have a, a preference for vp
1: i do i who, do who who, who?
0: Yeah, I mean I think that oh,
1: Come I on, come th- on, come on. I don't know if it can happen. I'd be happy with Elizabeth. Yeah. I would be happy. I'd be thrilled with Elizabeth, but for just for some reason, just an emotional, yeah. just a thing. Yeah. I've I always loved Kamala. I think yeah. that there's just she has kind of an an elegance and mm-hmm. uh, an intelligence and a kick assness that yes. I really like. And I just get it. For some reason it resonated. Everything she said resonated with me and all the problems that people had with her. I just didn't. Mm-hmm. I you know yeah. it's like I, I get it. I hear you. They're valid to you, but mm-hmm. you know you can only you can only operate in the world as you find it personally, yes. and that's why I get other people's choices. Right. and Kirk is a huge Elizabeth Warren fan. Yeah. I think it must be a woman, though. Is all.
0: Yes, I agree. And I, you know, I'm I, just as I was torn during the when you know when Kamala and Elizabeth were both still going. I mean, I always kind of leaned Elizabeth, but. There were times when I was like, well, maybe Kamala, and it was like back and forth and back and forth, and then she dropped out. So I was like full on Elizabeth, and then the same. I have the same kind of deal with VP. It's like I am always going to lean Elizabeth, only because I like her, um, just that she has all these plans and that she really does want to look out for the people. But I freaking love Kamala, and I just I love mm-hmm. the fact that she she's a fighter, but she's a fighter with this like um, beautiful gleam in her eye that like she's she's a beautiful woman that it comes from the inside like she's obviously beautiful on the outside but there's like a beauty and a I don't know this essence of of just goodness and you can tell she's one of the good guys you can just tell
1: and she 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 permeates that when she's around and I like her and I trust her to be a fighter and I think that DA she's she's a fighter and she will look out for us but I will I will cry tears of joy if, if the VP pick is Elizabeth Warren mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, yes. I'm just, it's just eeny meeny, miny, with those right. two is kind of how I feel.
0: God, I wish they could be both. I wish they could just be pr- like right? co-presidents.
1: Tag, <laughs> Tag team VPs. <laughs> yes. been done. Why
0: not? Ah. Well, it's been fabulous talking with you. You're, you're, you're fun. And maybe one day you can come back. I would love that. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, you know, stay safe and tell Kirk you I too. said and Hi. I will. And let me know if you need toilet paper. <laughs> you know, you're so cute. I, <laughs> I, I, I told that on uh, Bob's after party show. I told the story because, by the way, you're not the only one who offered us toilet paper. There was oh, like, good. I'm glad I, went, know that I went off on this rant on toilet paper on Twitter and you were like, hey, and then it was so funny because you said uh, a DM for your BM. <laughs> yeah, <a DM> <laughs> That was cute. Um, but I, I, I appreciate the fact that people are so generous that they want to give me toilet paper you don't even know that's just like the sweetest thing ever so thank you thank you for being on the show say hello to your family and stay safe
1: i so will we all have to take care of each other yes, thank we you do. for having
0: me thank you and we'll we'll talk we will talk soon bye-bye bye-bye well not surprisingly that was an awesome conversation interview whatever she's as she said like at the beginning that there was this I don't know, sense of friendship, right? So every once in a while you hit on somebody on Twitter or Facebook or whatever and you've never met them but there's just this sense of camaraderie, this sense of connectivity and I did feel it with her. And I also felt that, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I liked Kirk from, even though I wasn't aware of the fact that he was an actor when I became, um, let me just go back. I met Kirk in a DM room on Twitter. It's like a direct message room with the groups of people, you know. So anyway, he was in the group. And a friend of mine who was in that group said, oh, my God, Kirk Acevedo's in that group. And I was like, who's Kirk Acevedo? (laughs) Because I had never seen anything that he did. So anyway, um, I became obviously aware of uh, the fact that he was an actor. And he and I, um, you know, were a little friendly back and forth. And I said, hey, could you come on to my podcast and he did and that was sometime last year and he's just fantastic because then I started watching him on Oz and I watched Band of Brothers and I still have yet to see the Planet of the Apes movies which were never my thing but these the one that Kirk was in one or I don't know if he's in more than one but they are very realistic looking I just didn't like the Charlton Heston apes so um in the new Planet of the Apes movies they are they are like real apes and that looks fascinating to me and uh, I, I'm sure during quarantine, I'll, I'll watch it. But anyway, then I became aware of Kirsten and I was like, wow, they're pretty cool. And I felt like if I were still living in Los Angeles, I could totally see Bob and I like hanging out with them because there's just like a vibe that we share. I mean, not to say that we're the same, but there's just like a vibe. And I was right. So um, it was a fun conversation. And I, I, I could tell I watched some interviews with her and I already knew she was intelligent and articulate, but it was such a joy to have a conversation and yes I am totally fangirling because I fangirl on pretty much all my guests. <laughs> I'm just so excited to talk to all my guests. Uh, that's gonna be it for today. Of course, I'm going to, you know, tell you all about my stuff now so you can follow me and I forgot to get her to say her um, to follow her. And, and so that's, she, you can follow her at Kirsten Warren. So it's at, and then it's K-I-E-R-S-T-N Warren. And then I'm going to put her uh, Twitter handle in the Patreon description of the show too. So there's that. Um, but you can follow me, author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y, extra E, don't forget it. And then don't forget, I just got a thing from my mom that um, our books are doing, Better. We had a good month because I I talk about them on the show, so I'm just gonna keep doing it. So you can find me at author, or no, I'm sorry, Kimberly A. Johnson on um, Amazon. You could also find my mom at Ann Werner, A. N. N. W. E. R. N. E. R. She's got thrillers. Buy Crazy and tell me what you think of it and give it a good review if you like it. I love that book anyway, um, but I also really really love Cooper's Grove. Cooper's Grove, like Crazy, is about a serial killer. And there's some like, there's some dark humor in it, but there's like a satanic thing going on. So if that's not for you, which I understand, then there's Cooper's Grove. And Cooper's Grove is a love story and it's involved. It's like a supernatural love story with a ghost and everything. And it's, it's still a little on the creepy side, but it's not like satanic stuff (laughs) Uh, that she read about in Crazy. So there you go. Cooper's Grove, Crazy. And then my books, Peyton's Choice, The Virgin Diaries. Just, I don't know. It's you're stuck in quarantine buy our books (laughs) and don't forget leave comments I love your comments I appreciate your comments and thank you for listening tomorrow I'm going to talk with Steph so we'll see you then